Well, hallelujah to the Lamb. It's time for us to hear God's word for our situation, uh, even in the season that we're living in. And I'm going to ask if you would open your Bibles to Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27, and we're going to begin reading in with verse 14. But I want to ask God's blessing upon our time together in his word. Let us pray. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts, let them be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, you're our strength and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today I want to preach about surviving the storm. Surviving the storm. Of course, we're looking at storm survivors. So we want to look at the principles, the practical, pragmatic principles that come from the Word of God that we need to practice so that we can survive the storm. Here in Acts chapter 27, verse 14, God's word says, but the weather changed abruptly and a wind of typhoon strength called a northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea. Verse 42 says, the soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape. But the commanding officer wanted to, sh to spare Paul. So he didn't let them carry out their plan. He ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land. The others held on to planks or debris from the broken ship. So everyone escaped safely to shore. It was in 1991, there was a, a storm with no name, a no-name storm that went up Nova Scotia all the way down to Florida. And it caused $500 million worth of damage. Uh, 13 people lost their lives along with six who were on a ship called Andrea Gale. And this storm that they endured with the damage of property and the loss of life uh, was depicted in both a book and a movie called The Perfect Storm. And in the movie, The Perfect Storm, they talk about how these two weather fronts, along with a hurricane, all converge on the same spot at the same time. Three weather fronts all converging on the same spot at the same time. And they called it a perfect storm. And all of us know what it's like to be in a storm. Storms are normal and natural. Storms are inevitable. All of us have storms. And I know there are those that tell you when you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you're a real Christian that you're not going to go through anything. No, you can believe Jesus died on the cross and God raised him from the dead and receive him by faith and still have to deal with storms. They are normal and natural. They are inevitable. All of us are going through storms. And the storms that all of us are facing today in a global situation is this pandemic. But those of us who are black living in America, we're not just dealing with a pandemic, we're dealing with a syndemic. We're dealing with synonymous storms hitting us from different fronts at the same time. You're talking about a perfect storm. We're dealing with the coronavirus. We're dealing with uh, rooted uh, racial uh, systemic racism. Uh, we're dealing with unemployment. We're dealing with uh, so many things that are coming at us all at the same time. Not just a pandemic, it's a syndemic. It is a storm that, and if you haven't had a storm yet, just keep on living. Just keep getting up in the morning. Uh, keep taking your shower and brushing your teeth. Everybody has a storm. They're natural and normal, but they're also temporal, uh, which means that they 
are temporary. Storms do not last always. I don't care how bad it looks. I don't care how much unrest and how much terror it brings. Uh, storms all have one thing in common. They come and go. I don't care if it's Hurricane Irma or, or Hurricane Harvey or Hurricane Katrina or Hurricane Andrew or tsunamis. They all come, but then they all leave because uh, I'm with my grandmother on this one. I'm so glad that trouble don't last always. Now, I'm telling you all of this uh, not to make you pessimistic, but to make you realistic that we all got to deal with this. And when we become not pessimistic, but realistic, we begin to prepare for the storms that we know we're going to face in our lives. Uh, when I was in elementary school with School 71 in Arlington Woods at 34th and Emerson, uh, they would uh, periodically have us to uh, not during the stormy time, but then during the sunshine to come out into the hallways and to get up against the wall and to get on our knees and to bow our heads. Uh, this was to prepare us for a storm. This this was not to prevent storms. We knew living in Indiana, we're going to have some tornadoes to come through here. And since we're realistic about tornadoes are going to come, uh, here's what you need to do to get ready for them. They said, uh, come on out and get in, in the hallway, get on your knees and bow your head. It didn't prevent it, the storm, but it did prepare us for the storm. And that's a good way to prepare for storm. That's a good way to deal with them. Fall on your knees and bow your head and call on the name of the Lord. And the Lord says, I'm not going to prevent what's happening in your life, but I will protect you. I will preserve you as you go through the things you face in your life so that we can become these storm survivors. In Acts chapter 27, the apostle Paul is on the ship, is headed to Rome. Rome is their final destination. Paul has always wanted to go to Rome to preach and teach the gospel, but he's not on this ship in Acts 27 and 28 uh, as a passenger on a cruise ship. He's on there as a prisoner, and as a prisoner, there are guards that are on there and soldiers to watch him and the other prisoners, but this ship uh, has uh, multiple usage going on here. They also have business people and merchants on the ship that they would go from shore to shore before they would, and port to port before they would get to Rome. And these businessmen, these merchants would buy product and merchandise at different ports so that they can sell it when they get to Rome to help build their wealth, to help increase their financial portfolio, to help them with their economic development. And then as they got near Crete, matter of fact, they were in Crete, and then the wind started to blow, a storm was on the rise. And the Apostle Paul told them, we need to stay here in Crete. This storm is going to be rough. That if we leave Crete, then what's going to end up happening is uh, we're going to lose this ship. It's going to break apart. We're going to lose the merchandise you all have gathered together. And we're going to be on the verge of losing our lives. We need to stay here. And they wouldn't listen to the preacher. They wouldn't listen to the prophet. They wouldn't listen to the pastor. They said, we're we getting on the Rome. We got to do our economic development. We got to grow our wealth. And it, in Crete, the winters are so rough and horrific. We don't want to be stuck here during the winter. We're going to take our chance with the storm. And so then they move on out. As they go out, then here comes the perfect storm. In chapter 27 of Acts, it's called the Northeaster. That's because it had hurricane winds blowing in from the north and hurricane winds blowing in from the east at the same time, converging on this ship, even to the point 
that there was nothing that they were able to do to control the ship in the midst of the chaos and the confusion and the crisis and the storm that they found themselves in. But yet, they were going to survive this. And so I wanted to look in God's word and see what they were doing so that you and I can apply these principles to our lives so that we can survive the pandemic that we're in with so much coming at us at one time. And one of the things in the text, it says that they began to do in the midst of that storm on that ship, they began to throw their cargo overboard, their tackle overboard, those products that they were going to sell in Rome, they threw those overboard. The merchandise that they had acquired that was going to build their wealth, they threw that overboard. Here's what they were doing. They were prioritizing their life. (laughs) They had come to grips with, if we're going to survive this and make it through this, we're going to have to get our priorities straight. We're going to have to figure out what's important, what we need to hold on to, and what we need to let go of. And they began to throw their merchandise and product overboard to try to get some degree of control of the ship. Now, mind you, before the storm, they thought this was necessary and vital. That's why they own the ship. That's why they headed to Rome. That's why they have all of these things, because they felt this is necessary and vital. That was before the storm. In the storm. They got a revelation. The stuff we thought we needed, we really don't need. The things we thought we had to have, we really don't have to have this. And they began to throw, but it was the storm that revealed to them what was most important. Storms have a way of having some manifestation and some revelation to help us to know what we need and don't need. And they had to come to a decision. They had to make a choice that I can hold on to it and die or I can let it go and live. That's what I'm trying to get across. We got to get our priorities straight. Some of us are hold on to things we need to let go of, and others of us are letting go of what we need to hold on to. Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything you need will be added unto you. It's putting God first, putting Christ first, and then making sure that my faith in him is straight. And he begins to add, and I got to let go of the possessions and the people and the things that and the predicaments and the places that are going to keep me from surviving as I move through this. And so it's not just about priority uh, that the, the, the storm revealed that. But then they started listening to the preacher. They started listening to the apostle Paul. Remember before the storm, he said, now let's not go. The storm is going to be bad. The ship is going to fall apart. You're going to lose all this product you got. And we're going to be on the verge of losing our lives. And they didn't listen to him in the sunshine. But when the storm came and then the apostle Paul comes back and says, listen, the angel of the Lord spoke to me last night and the angel of the Lord said, it's going to be bad. You're still going to lose some stuff. The ship going to break up. But we're going to all get there safe. And they began to listen to the man of God. The Bible says that he has given us pastors after his own heart for our understanding and the knowledge of his word. In the book of Romans, it says, how beautiful are the feet of those that preach the gospel. Y'all, we in the midst of all that's going on in the pandemic and the syndemic and the social unrest and all that is happening, a lot of people are talking. But we need to get the message from God, from the messengers of God. We need preachers and pastors and prophets who are willing to speak the truth even in the midst of problems. That's what I love about Paul. Paul told him the truth. He didn't just sit up there and tell him, you're going to be rich and healthy. He said, no, you're going to go through hell. This thing is going to be rough, but you're going to survive. You're going to make. We need some preachers who have spent time in the presence of God. He said, an angel told me. 
with the right word of God bringing the truth. Here's what I want to get across to us. That y'all, the enemy seeks to destroy us through lies. The Bible says he's the father of lies. He's come to do nothing but to steal, kill, and destroy. He uses lies to destroy us where God uses the truth to develop us. Uh, when I was a kid, they used to call it sugarcoating the gospel, just trying to make people feel good and give them an emotional stir. Paul said, I'm not trying to give you an emotional stir. I'm going to tell you what God told me and spoke to me, even in the midst of the crisis that we're dealing with. And we need some preachers who will stand and proclaim the truth because it's the truth that will develop us so that we can survive the storms that we're going through. Thank God there's still some men and women of God who spend time with the angels in the presence of of God. How are you going to talk for God when you haven't spoken to God? And thank God that there are those that in the storm are open to what the preacher said um, before the pandemic. Uh, we, we're, Eastern Star Church is considered a large congregation because we have thousands of people and thousands would show up on Sunday at three different locations to hear the gospel and thousands before the pandemic would, would listen uh, to us uh, and stream us and watch us. But since the pandemic, those numbers have doubled, almost tripled in those who are open to hear God's word, because at least we understand if I'm going to survive this storm, I got to hear what the men and the women of God and the message they bring from the Lord. And then Paul told them this. Paul said, you're going to have to stay with the ship. He said, if you're going to survive this storm, you got to stay with the ship. It's going to get rough. It's going to it's going to be difficult. Stay with the ship. When I was a child, they, they at our church, they used to refer uh, to the church as the old ship of Zion. It has landed many a thousand. Get on board. Get on board. And, and Jesus is the captain of this ship. Get on board. And they referred to the church as the old ship of Zion. If we're going to be storm survivors, we're going to have to stay with the ship. We got to stay with the church. We got to remain committed to the church, even in the midst of the chaos, stay committed to the church, even in the midst of the confusion, stay committed to the church, even in the midst of the crisis. Jesus said, upon this rock, I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. In the book of Hebrews, it says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves as some do. That was in the midst of oppression uh, that the book of Hebrews was written. That was in the midst of social injustice that that was written. And he told them, you still got to stay committed to the church. In Genesis chapter 6, 7, and 8, uh, it, it was Noah that was preaching. A storm is going to come. And the only ones that are going to survive are going to have to get in the ark. You got to be in the ark of safety. And so he said, everybody that's going to make it, the only ones that are going to survive are the ones that stay with the ark. And so people got on the ark, but you, you got to understand, too, that two of at, at least two of every kind of animal also got on the ark. And there was a covering on the ark with two of every kind of animal. And then there was 40 days of rain, 150 days of flooding, a year of quarantine. And the discharge from the animals were on the ark and the waste from the animals was on the ark with a covering on that thing for a year. So it, things would get dirty and messy and nasty and a stench would be there. Um, but Noah said the only ones that are going to survive are those that stay with the ship. I know it's going to get messy. It's going to get dirty. Uh, it's going to get nasty at times. But if you're going to survive, because the alternative is to drown on the ground. I'd rather sail with the stench than to drown on the ground. And that's what I want to help us understand, that sometimes 
ministry can be messy. That when people get saved, they don't automatically become spirit-filled Christians. It takes time for somebody to develop and grow into who they need to be. And so ministry can be dirty and nasty and messy. And that's why some say, that's why I don't go to church. That's why I'm not committed to the church. That's why I left the church. Because, I well, you know, if you're going to make it, if you're going to survive, you got to stay committed to the church regardless of all of that, because the alternative is to drown on the ground. And, and, and understand with the church, the church has never claimed to be a, a place for perfect people. Uh, people run around, the reason why you're not committed to the church is because you can't find that perfect church. My childhood pastor, Charles Harris, said, even if you find a perfect church, don't you join it because you're going to mess it up with your imperfections. But the church has never claimed to be a perfect place for perfect people but we claim to be a hospital for sick souls. And when you go to the hospital, nobody goes to the hospital expecting everybody there to be well. We go to the hospital looking for sick people getting better. Y'all, our commitment to the church and our coming to church is not because we're perfect. We come to church because we are sin sick and soul sick. And we need another prescription written from the word of God. And we need another dose of the Holy Ghost to help us to deal with the crisis of life. The only way we're going to make it is to stay with the ship, to stay committed to the church. It was in 1990, out on the golf course, golf, golf coast of Florida, that four NFL players went fishing. They went way out. They were going fishing on a 21-foot boat. They ran into some wind and a storm, and the boat flipped over. They were able to grab their life jackets before it was completely turned over, and there they were in that water with their life jackets and the boat upside down, and they would try to sit on the boat, but they would slip off into the cold 60-degree water. And after a while, three of them decided that I can't stay here. I got to try to at least swim for it. I'm an NFL player. I'm trained. I'm one of the best athletes in the world. I think I can swim to land and get there safely. And they began one at a time to swim off. And all three that tried to make it under their own ability and own capability and strength, they died. But there was one that decided, with my life jacket, I'm going to stay with the boat. He had been exposed to boats and grown up around boats. And he knew no matter how bad things get, even when things are upside down, the best way for you to survive is to stay with the boat. And he stayed with that boat and he said that he would get up on it and slip down into the water. And then but he had his life jacket on. And he said, but he cried out there, for, uh, but he stayed with the boat. He was lonely, but he stayed with the boat. He was all by himself, but he stayed with the boat. He was hungry. It looked helpless and hopeless, but he stayed with the boat. And after 48 hours, uh, that's when help showed up. And when the help showed up, they were able to get him to the doctor. And the doctor said, had he been out there for six more hours, uh, then hypothermia would have killed him. But it didn't kill him. He survived it because he stayed with the boat. You know, sometimes in life, things get difficult and hard and lonely and painful. And sometimes we cry and it seems hopeless and helpless. But when you stay with the church, Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. If we're going to survive, we got to stay with the boat. Paul told them, stay with the ship. It's going to get rough, but we're going to make it. Matter of fact, uh, they, it says that, that when they got close, not to Rome, their final destination was Rome, but the storm threw them off. And that storm that threw them off, now they get near a land that they're not familiar with. And as they get near this land, they're trying to figure out how to get to the land. And then they run into something else. 
And now the boat begins to fall apart. The boat begins uh, to, to break up. And here's what the instructions that were given. Everybody who could swim, jump overboard and begin to swim towards shore. And then said, everybody else that can't swim, as this boat is, this ship is falling apart, you got to grab something that will keep you afloat. Grab a plank, grab a board, grab something that can float. And now you head towards the land. You got to see what it says in, in the text. In Acts 27, it says, everybody that can swim, you jump over and you swim first. But those who are like the musical group Parliament, and you never learned to swim, can't find the rhythm of the stroke. How, why should I hold my breath thinking that I might choke? You got to grab onto something uh, that will float, that will keep you up. Those that can swim, swim. Told them to go first. The reason why we need you to go first is to become a model for the rest of us to overcome hopelessness and helplessness to know that in a storm we can survive, that we can make it. How do you know that? Because look at those who are swimming even in a storm. We need you to go first. If you can swim, swim. Because you remove the excuses from the rest of us that I can't make it because look at this storm, look at this pandemic, look at this sickness, look at this racism, look at this police brutality, look at this unemployment, look at this economic downturn. I can't make it. Nobody can make it in there. But when we see you swimming, swimming in an economic downturn, but you still doing well, even though you black and brown in this nation, you've been able to rise above this racism. You give us hope. You got, if you can swim, go on and swim. And the rest of us, he said, yes, it's going to fall apart, but you got to find something that you can hold, something that can float. In these times, that's what you're looking for, something that can float. And y'all, hatred can't float. Vengeance cannot float. Helplessness cannot float. Depression cannot float. Y'all, you got to find something that can float. Evil cannot float. You cannot, violence cannot float. You cannot cast out Satan with Satan. You cannot put out fire with fire. You do not overcome evil with evil. You overcome evil with good. That stuff will not float. But a right relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, that'll float. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, that will float. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. That will float. The power of God's Holy Spirit, the power that comes from his word, the power that comes from connecting with those who are committed to Christ, the church, and the kingdom, that will help us to survive even in the midst of the storm. And then in, in Acts chapter 28, verse 14, it says, and we all made it to Rome safely. That we all made, we made it safely. We did that. We got safe to the land. But they didn't get straight to Rome. They ended up on this island that they had never heard of. You know, they found out it's the island of Malta. And on the island of Malta, after they swam and others made it off broken pieces, they're now warming themselves at a fire. And as Paul warms himself at the fire, a snake bites the apostle Paul. He shakes it off, no swelling, no sickness, no death. But he did get bit by a snake. And, had to, and I already know, if that, if that had been you and I, after all the hell we've been through, and now to get bit by a snake, that God, the only reason I'm a prisoner is because I'm preaching and teaching your word in communities and cultures 
that are not receptive to Christ and the church and the kingdom. And now I'm arrested that that God, I've been the gospel globe trotter for you, that I've been taking your word to different countries and communities, dear God. I, uh, I, and, and I preached and taught your word. And now I've been shipwrecked. I had to make it off broken pieces. I've gone through the storm. I've lost so much. I'm dealing with brokenness. And after all of that, you're going to let a snake bite me like this? The least you could do is keep me from being bitten by a snake. And then Paul, of course, he's not like us. Paul understands that God promised him that the same witness that you gave in Jerusalem in Acts 23, the same witness you gave in Jerusalem, you're going to give that in Rome. Now, your final destination is Rome. And y'all, first century Rome is like 21st century New York. You're talking about taking a, a bite out of the Big Apple. It's a major metropolitan city. It's a large city and so much going on. And he's letting Paul know when you get to Rome, there are a lot of snakes in Rome. And if you can't handle one snake bite on an island in Malta, you ain't going to be able to handle all the snakes you're going to be dealing with in Rome. So I allowed you to be bitten by a snake here to learn how to shake it off. So when you have to deal with snakes at the next level, yo, God, I know we're praying, God, take us from faith to faith and glory to glory and level to level. We want to sit with Christ in heavenly places and God has so much in store for you. Yeah, but before you get to that next level, you better handle the snakes on the level you own because I'm with my charismatic brothers and sisters. For every new level, there's a new devil. There are going to be some snakes, a lot of snakes as you begin to go up. And if you can't handle the snakes now, you're not going to be able to handle them at the next level. He shook that off. Then the chief official of the island invited all them to his house. There was more than 270 people on the ship. And the chief official invited all of them to his house. <laughs> now, that's a major house when you can get 270 people to come over and entertain 270 people. Get to the house, find out the chief official's father is sick. Paul healed the man's father. And when the island found out there's a man on the island that can heal then they start bringing their sick family and friends and co-workers to Paul. And Paul began to heal people on the island. I'm trying to show you something. The final destination is Rome. But there is a connection that he must have with Malta. And it's not just about him. He says, we all landed safely. Not, not me. We land. So many of us think Christianity is and my relationship with God is about me. It's not just me. It's we. It's not just personal. It's social. It's communal. And every now and then before God gets us to our final destination, he doesn't give us a direct flight. He gives us a connecting flight so that we can get somewhere to meet people we never would have met, to connect with places we never would have connected with, so that people can learn about our God that they never would have known had we not gone through that particular place. Maybe that's why God is allowing things to fall apart in your life. Maybe that's why God is allowing things to break up in your life. Maybe that is why God is allowing you to be where you are. It's not your final destination, but you need a connection in order be, to be able to deal with not just me, but we to be a blessing to them. And even as he's now, he's, he's preaching the word of God and he's teaching uh, God's word in this area. And even as he's doing this, he now uh, gets to Rome. And when he gets to Rome, he begins to preach and to teach God's word. I love that. 
Because God told him in Acts 23, the same way you witnessed for me in Jerusalem, you're going to witness like that in Rome. How did he witness? With preaching and teaching. And now he's doing that in Rome. But my point is this. God is a God that keeps his promises. God promised you you were going to get to Rome. Now, he didn't He didn't promise you that your, your, your ship would not wreck and things would not break up and you got to make it off broken pieces. He didn't promise you that. He didn't promise you you were going to lose some things along the way. He didn't promise that. But what he did promise, that despite all all that you're dealing with, I'm going to get you to your final destination. And he begins to preach and to teach God's word there. God is a God that keeps promises. All the promises of God are yes and amen. When God makes you a promise, you don't have to be up all night wondering if it's going to come to pass. When God makes you a promise, go on and go to sleep because God is going to do everything he said he's going to do. And one of the promises that Jesus made, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to, to give sight to the blind and to set the captives free, to set the oppressed free. So all of you saying nothing's ever going to change. It's always going to be like this. We're going to always deal with this social injustice. Either you don't know the promises of God or you don't trust the promises of God. The promise is that I'm Jesus said, I'm going to set the captives free. I'm going to set the oppressed free. And I know this, it may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. He's an on time God. Yes, he is. And God keeps his promises. He shall set us free. And then finally, Paul didn't just preach and teach in Rome. He praised God and he praised God because God brought him through a storm. And when Paul, when God brought Paul through that storm in Acts 28, Paul gave God all the praise. A lot of us, we've been through storms When we come out of storms. We come out sad. Paul came out shouting <laughs> we go through storms and we come out bitter. Paul came out better. Uh, Y'all, we got to learn how to praise God uh, because the God we serve is able to help us to survive the storm and not just survive the storm, but thrive the storm. If we get our priorities straight and seek first the kingdom of God, if we hear the word of God being preached and taught by the men and women of God, if we stay with the ship and commit it to the church, God is going to do everything he said. He, he's going to make us storm survivors. And I don't know about you, but I'm coming out praising. No, let me change that. I'm not even going to wait till the storm's over. I'm going to shout right now. I trust God enough to know he will do everything he said he's going to do. And if the storms don't cease, and just in case the winds keep on blowing in my life, my soul has been anchored in the Lord. I know that God will be that anchor for me in the midst of my storm. And God is going to bring me out of everything that I'm going through. God is a God that doesn't always prevent storms, but he preserves us and he protects us and he brings us through the storm to put us in a position to be a blessing to other folk as we go through it. Let me close like this, because I know that there are those saying, well, preacher, you know, I'm, this storm is rough and the pandemic and the syndemic and all this coming against me. And why would God allow this thing to happen? My friend, Dr. Frederick Douglass Haynes III, he pastors in Dallas, Texas. He talks about how he was watching the Animal Channel and he saw this, this huge eagle flying over this river, this body of water. And there was a, a fish caught in a block of ice. And the eagle swoops down and, and puts his claws in the block of ice and begins to peck away 
in the block of ice to try to get to the fish. Well, the fish in the block of ice was headed towards a waterfall. And as it's headed towards the waterfall, the fish, the, 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 the eagle is, is pecking away and he's able to get in and grab the tail of the fish. But as he grabs the tail of the fish, he can't fly away because his claws are stuck in the ice. Freddie Haynes said that the eagle, he got, a, he got the wrong, got a hold of the wrong tail. And then he couldn't let it go. And he's headed towards the waterfall. And as he heads towards the waterfall, he falls over. But the thrust of the fall breaks the ice. And the eagle now is able, he doesn't have the fish and he doesn't have the ice, but now he's able to fly at the heights that he had flown because of the thrust of the fall. The fall was necessary so that he could break free and get to where God had designed for him to be. You want to know why God has us in situations that we're falling? Because some of us have gotten a hold of some things that we don't need to have a hold of. And God allows us, since we couldn't break free on our own, to be able to go through this fall in order to break us free, to go from faith to faith and glory to glory and height to height. God has a design for you and you're going to survive this storm and you're going to thrive after this storm, but you got to be willing to follow the principles that are in God's word. And it actually starts with a right relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ.